We're singing about wisdom because today we're finishing up a series where we've been what I like to call water skiing through a part of the Old Testament, the wisdom books. And today, the last of those five books of the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. There's a danger as we get ready to learn from the book of Proverbs. The danger is that we live in an era where everybody has access to almost infinite knowledge in their pocket. Sometimes that's what I call my cell phone when I'm talking to my kids. My pocket machine of infinite knowledge. And uh, living in an information age, there's the danger that we can assume that wisdom means intelligence. Wisdom means knowledge. Some of you are old enough to remember Isaac Asimov, uh, biochemist and author. He died in 1992. He said this during his lifetime. I wonder what he would say if he were alive today, right? Saddest aspect of life right now is that science gathers knowledge faster than society gathers wisdom. Knowing stuff and being wise are not the same thing. So when you hear our elder, Jason Kang, read from Proverbs chapter 9 in just a moment, do not think that he's talking about getting more information. Do not think that he's talking about having more knowledge. Wisdom is something different. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts so we can hear from God's Word, what it means to grow in wisdom. Jason, will you read for us? Today's scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 18. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids, and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise... Your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. The woman folly is loud. She is undisciplined and without knowledge. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Stolen water is sweet, 
Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together for a moment. Holy Spirit, open our hearts so that um, we would not stay in a place of danger today. Some of us, the danger is that we would confuse wisdom with just having information. Others of us are in a different danger, the danger of hearing but not listening. Would you keep us safe and make us wise so that we listen to everything that the Lord our God has for us today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Three questions to answer today from the book of Proverbs. How and why and so what? The how question really has to do with how do Proverbs work? And so we want to look at a few examples from Proverbs. I'll just read a couple to you. Here's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. Or, I'll be murdered in the streets. Now, what's a sluggard? A sluggard is someone who's lazy. Right? A lazy person will make any excuse not to get up and go do something. I can't go outside. A lion might eat me. Can't go outside. Somebody might kill me. I'm going to stay in here. My PlayStation. Um. Here's how Proverbs work. They, they work through high-impact statements. Proverbs don't give long explanations. They don't give careful footnotes. Is it true that sometimes going outside might be a danger and therefore you should stay inside? Yes, that is true sometimes. Is it even possible that some places in the world a lion might eat you if you go out your front door? Yes. Proverbs don't work by giving all of those footnotes and extra nuances. Proverbs work through high impact. Yeah, we know all that's true, but lazy people will make any kind of excuse for not doing something. That's how Proverbs work, high impact. Proverbs also work in another way. Here's Proverbs chapter 7, 17, verse 8. A bribe is a charm for the one who gives it. Wherever he turns, he succeeds. Now, is that true? If you give somebody a bribe, you'll probably get what you want. We live in a world where if you slip somebody some money under the table, it might make it easier to, to get things done. Implied critique. This proverb doesn't say, hey, you know what? It shouldn't be that way. We live in a world where this is true, but it shouldn't be that way. This proverb doesn't say that. Many proverbs work that way, making a high-impact statement where the criticism of how it is in the world is not spelled out. It's implied. If you know God and you know his ways in the world, you know that bribery is unjust. And so you know you're meant to read this proverb and say, the world is this way, but it should not be. Some proverbs work that way and some work this way. This is Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. 
Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. I was, I was out in a public park a few months ago, and I heard a man begin to shout to a group of women and children. I don't know where they were from. All of them were speaking Spanish. And he began to shout at them. English only. Go back where you came from. You don't belong here. Hmm. Should I answer this fool according to his folly? Or should I just let him talk and let him blow off steam and not even give him the honor of responding to him? This proverb says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you may wind up looking just as stupid as he does. But the very next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. Hmm. Hmm. So, situational application. You've got to be wise enough to know which proverb applies when. Is this the time when you do answer the fool according to his folly? Or he'll think that he's got it right? Or is this the time when you just lay low and let him look silly? Well, I decided it was a time to answer the fool according to his folly. Now, I don't know who's the bigger fool because this dude was like 6'6". And I just walked up to him and I said, sir, you need to be quiet. You are embarrassing yourself. And you are upsetting these women. Please be quiet. And he looked down at me and he kept shouting, sir, you need to be quiet. (laughs) Answering a fool according to his folly. Now the story had a good ending. Eventually this young man realized what he was doing and he apologized he wound up having a longer conversation with a man from Pakistan. So that was good. Some proverbs are like that. You see, every proverb offers you wisdom, but it tells you that you need more wisdom. You need more wisdom to know, yeah, sometimes there will be a lion in the streets, but don't let a lazy person use that as an excuse for doing nothing. You need enough wisdom to know, yes, bribes work in this world, but it shouldn't be that way. You need enough wisdom to know, is this the time to answer the foolish person according to their folly or not? So, Proverbs work that way. They offer you wisdom, but they assume that no matter how much wisdom you have, you need more. That's how Proverbs work. We'll move to another question. Why do we need Proverbs to work this way? What's the big deal about wisdom? Why do we need Proverbs to offer us wisdom and invite us to get more, no matter how much we already have? What's the big deal with wisdom? What's at stake in this part of the Scriptures? What's at stake is this question. Will we live in this universe by the rules and realities of this universe? Or will we try living in this universe by the rules and realities of some other world? Will we live in light of how this world really is? Or will we try to live in this world as though it came from someplace else? 
as though it worked differently? Will we live in this world as though it's okay to be lazy all the time? Will we live in this world as though bribery is a good thing? Will we live in this world as though ah, it doesn't really matter when and how you answer a fool according to his folly? It's not going to make a difference anyway. Will we live in this world that way? And that's what Proverbs chapter 9 is saying to us. As Jason read for us the words of two women, one Lady Folly and the other Lady Wisdom. Now, I've given them nicknames that involve puns simultaneously on four different languages, and I so desperately want to share that with you. (laughs) But I'm going to hold my tongue, or you would have to answer this fool according to his folly. Um. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Lady Wisdom is inviting us to live according to the rules of the world we actually live in. Reality, not fantasy. And so that's one of the, one of the issues you hear as they extend their invitations. Are we going to live in this universe? Or are we going to live in one where... Theft has no consequences. Stolen water is sweet, says Lady Folly. Are we going to live in this universe? Are we going to live in a fantasy world where secrets never come back to haunt you? Lady Folly says food eaten in secret is delicious. There will be no negative consequences. That secret won't ever come back to bite you. Do you live in that kind of world? Do you live in a world where your secrets have never come back to haunt you? No. Lady Folly is telling you to live in a fantasy world. And Lady Wisdom is inviting us to live in reality. Lady Folly lives in a world where nobody ever tries to manipulate you, so you can trust everything they ever tell you. Right? Oh, come on in here. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. I'm telling you the complete truth. You can believe me because you can believe everyone. We don't live in that kind of world. You can't believe everything you hear, and you know it. Lady Folly invites us to live in a world of fantasy where water is as good as wine, where food eaten in secret in a hurry is just as good as going to a party and a banquet and feasting. No, it's not just as good. But Lady Folly won't tell us that. Because she wants us to think we live in a fantasy world. And Lady Wisdom is straight up with us. She wants us to live in reality. And what's at stake in this choice is death versus life. Lady Folly calls out to people, but little do they know that the dead are her guests. That her guests are in the depths of the grave. What's at stake when the Lord calls us to wisdom is life. Whether we get to live and taste all of his goodness forever or death. Whether we are cut off from his goodness. That's what's at stake. That's why it matters. That's why it matters for three different kinds of people. Wise people are those who hear what's at stake and they say, I want more life. 
I want more wisdom. I want to be more real. And so that's why Lady Wisdom says, if you rebuke a wise man, he will thank you for it. A wise person wants to get more wise. If you instruct a wise person, they will add to their learning. Wise people are never finished growing. As Steve said earlier, there is no graduation date. And then there are fools. In in Proverbs chapter 9, they're described as mockers. Some translations say scoffers. And those are people who who have heard what's at stake in the choice between wisdom and folly. And they have decided, yes, I want more life, but I can have it without more wisdom. Yes, I want more of God's goodness, but I want it my own way, not his way. Yes, I want more life, but not by the rules of reality. By the rules of some different universe. And the simple, well, the simple are people who don't yet fully grasp what's at stake. They're not yet fully sure that they need wisdom, but they're still teachable. They haven't hardened their hearts. So Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are calling out to the simple. Come in here. So what? What does that mean for us? When we hear God calling us to wisdom, so what? Well, we've already said some of us want more information. We, we want to know. We want to know what's going on. We want to we be fully invested in the information age and all the technology that can help us get more and more information. But we really need wisdom to tell us what to do with that information. Some of us think that wisdom can only come from our generation. And I'm talking to you, no matter how old you are. Because if you're close to 50, or older than 50, you're inclined to think we're the ones with the wisdom. And everybody younger than us has nothing worth learning from. Steve has already warned us against that today, right? But if you're under 30 or 20 or 10, you're oftentimes going to think adults are so out of it. They, they, they know nothing. We got it all figured out. They don't even know how to, how to change the settings on their phones. So what could I possibly learn from somebody who doesn't know that? I've known that since I was four. (laughs) Right? Well, the whole book of Proverbs says that we have to learn from people who are wiser than we are. Right? And so that sense of I can't learn anything from another generation just It doesn't fit the universe that we actually live in. So if we're thinking that way, God is saying to us today, you're wrong. Repent. Listen. Listen. Some of us have wisdom, but we're not building relationships that would allow us to share it with other people. The book of Proverbs assumes a vision of wisdom that is relational. 
teacher that I know, Dennis Hack, puts it this way. Wisdom is always relationally centered. Wisdom is shared when, when you get to know the wise. Knowledge can be emailed, but wisdom takes a relationship, right? So some of us have wisdom, and the Lord would say to us, but are you building bridges relationally with anyone that would allow you to share that wisdom with them? If not, you're keeping a treasure buried. And God would say to all of us, I didn't give you that treasure, so you bury it. Build those bridges. Form those relationships. For almost all of us, the so what has to do with shifting from what we know to who we know. Right? So we, we're going to be tempted to think that wisdom is about what we know. But God's vision of wisdom is never about that. Wisdom is about what you do because of who you know. Wisdom is not about what you know. It's about what you do because of who you know. There's something wrong with Proverbs chapter 9. Not really, but it seems that way to me. Here's this whole great story of Lady Wisdom saying, Come in here. Eat at my table. Get to know me. And then, in the middle of her speech, she says, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. She doesn't say the beginning of wisdom is listening to my voice. She says the beginning of wisdom is listening to another voice besides mine. Lady Wisdom is saying, I'm just the overflow of a heart that is more perfect than even my own. What is it that makes God's heart so perfect? That true wisdom would begin with knowing Him. Well, I just want to answer that question in two ways. One that comes right from Proverbs chapter 9. Lady Folly will lead us to death and she will deceive us. God's heart is perfect because he doesn't want you to be deceived and he doesn't want you to experience death. God sends Lady Wisdom to cry out from the highest point of the city and lead us. To know him so that we wouldn't be deceived and eat the fruit of death. His heart is perfect. That's why we want to know him. But there's another reason. And it's all the way back in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 1. It says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. God's plan has always been to lead his people on a path of wisdom through a king who himself was wise. David was not that king. Solomon was not that king. If we want to find a king who always did what was right because he knew his father, Jesus is that king. Wisdom is about what you do because of who you know. Do you know 
Jesus, Son of David, King of Israel. And because you know him, will you follow the path of wisdom instead of the path of folly? That's what's at stake today. I want to close with words for our children. One of the most dangerous things I know from the Bible is that sometimes adults will say to you that the Bible, and especially the book of Proverbs, is all about telling you the rules to live by. So live by these rules. And when you get older, we will tell you what the Bible is really about. But while you're young, the Bible is really about being a good little boy or girl. And I want to say to you, that is false. And if I have ever said that to you, I apologize. If anyone in this church has ever taught you in a way that made you think that the Bible is about being a good little boy or girl, I apologize. We were wrong. The Bible is always about Jesus, son of David, king of Israel. The Bible is always about knowing him as the Savior who leads us away from lies and away from death and toward his Father and toward life. And the Bible will never be about being good. It will always be about What do you do because you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And what will you do because you know him? The answer to that question is the path of wisdom. 